Today's episode is brought to you by Wild, natural deodorant, body wash and shampoo bars. Wild uses clean and natural ingredients in all of their beautiful products, meaning they're good for your body and the planet. We don't have time for this. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land where we make this podcast, the Garigal and the Garamangal people. We pay our respects to all First Nations elders, past, present and emerging. Hey fam, there's not going to be a fresh app today because Jem was sick. And you know when you need to pull a full smackdown on your bestie and just say, hey, you're really sick, go to bed. Stop what you're doing and look after your goddamn self. Well, that's what we did this week. So we never want to leave you high and dry. We know you look forward to your Tuesday mornings. So what we've done is we've pulled together some of our latest and greatest DNM episodes, a few snippets so you can see what we're getting up to over there in that feed. We hope you enjoy. We have a thousand things to do, but we'd rather chat to you. With emails and meetings and husbands and kids, we don't have time for this. Just what you need to basic bitches with a podcast. Hello. And welcome to DNM. Hello, very best besties. I'm your host, Kate Reeves. And I'm Gemma Peanut. And we are here to talk about something you have begged for. Like when I say begged, (laughs) I mean every single time we post on Instagram, every single time we post in the Facebook group, every single time anyone opens their mouth from the podcast team, a DL will be like, au pair story. Yep. I want the au pair story. What happened? What the (laughs) fuck happened? We're all dying about it. And can I posit a guess as to why the DLs are so invested in the au pair story? Why do you think that might be, Revzy? A couple of reasons. One, everyone's wondering, could I do it? Could I take on an au pair? Like, would that work? Would that be the thing that just solves my life and fixes my family and makes everybody happy and makes my life easy? But the other thing is... You sold it so hard when you first got an au pair. I know. Because you did the classic chummy yep. deep dive into an area of interest. You got hyper-focused. I did. About finding an au pair, how it was going to fix your life. You went into all this stuff about how they were going to become part of the family. <laughs> oh, God. I set myself up for failure so hard. Like if we could yeah. rewind the tape and listen to you on I the know. potty in September. Mm-hmm. It was all about how this was this Mary Poppins moment was going to do it. Yep. It didn't quite go that way. 100p did not work out for me. <laughs> um, but look, I feel like I teased a bit being like, oh, my God, didn't work out with the au pair. It was a disaster. And then proceeded to share nothing after that. Yes. Now, that was purposeful. And we do that often on this podcast. We go, oh, my God, disaster. Can't talk about it. <laughs> And you know what? It's not cool. But we're in DMs today and we're going to share loudly and proudly and openly. Yes. But the reason why I've taken this long to share this story, and it's not really just a story of sorts. I have a whole viewpoint perspective mm. and I needed the space and time to process my experience with the first au pair. But also I said to Revzi, I also want to have space and time with our new au pair because the dream is not dead. Yeah. You wanted to have a positive ending. I, I did. Yeah. And also, because I now have two very different experiences, mm. I actually feel like I can be helpful. Yeah. Well, you've got a bigger sample than just one au pair one time for one, you know. Yeah. And yeah. genuinely, in today's DNM episode, 
I will be sharing my experiences with both au pairs, but also I've got some tips, some guidance, and maybe you might walk out of this thinking an au pair might be good for you or it might not. Yeah. So I just really important to know if it's not going to suit your family and your setup and your lifestyle and the way you live, like don't do it, obviously. Hunji P. And you know what, guys? I'm going to be fully transparent. I will tell you the details of the deal I have with my au pair, how much we pay her. Yep what she gets, mm-hmm. bonuses, extra, how it works with our schedule. I'm going to lay it all out there for you because yeah. how good is that level of transparency mm-hmm. if you're trying to figure out if this is for you or not? Well, I really feel like you could have used this episode <sighs> six months ago. Couldn't have I have just. All right. So set the scene. Let's talk about the big shifts you had in your life, in your family. Like what was the lay of the land when you started looking? Talk about work, kids ages set up go okay so we know at that time Rafa was four Iggy was two so Mm -hmm. this is when we hit desperation mode yeah and the whole thing was triggered by the fact that my husband got a new job yeah and his new job required an immense amount of travel Mm. and couple that with me managing and running a renovation out of town, mm-hmm. 10 hour drive away. Mm-hmm. We had a really short turnaround to get this up and running as well as managing my own businesses, yeah. as well as being one half of a podcast, oh you know, God. it was a lot to juggle. So the funny thing is, is that the perception of someone having an au pair is like, oh, how bougie how nice. you have an au pair. That's yeah. so fancy. But you know what? Now that I have an au pair, when people tell me they have a nanny, Mm. I'm like, wow, bougie. Well, I think the difference is you need the space. That's the bougie part, I think. You need a spare space to put them in, you know? All you need is a spare room. Yeah. But we're going to get into this because this is where it's not for everyone Mm. and not every scenario works for every family or even au pairs. So, but we're going to get into that. Okay. Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm doing the interviewing. Okay. Stop trying to drive. I won't derail you. Okay. I I took the leadership baton (laughs) when we sat down to do this DNM today and you were like, oh, this is a big one. And I'm like, I will interview you. Okay. I'll be like, okay, but next up, I'm going to be a passenger revs. Take it away. Okay. So now we know what it looked like in your house. Basically. So then you were working on what, like four different business portfolios. Yep. And your husband took a huge new job. Mm -hmm. And let's also remind the DLs that you'd just come out of like two years of COVID having your husband at home. You were used to sharing everything. We were. You were about to be a solo parent, I would say 60% of the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And run the, this portfolio business career. Yeah. A lot. Too much. At any point where you like, maybe we don't renovate. <laughs> it was in the pipeline. The problem was the catastrophic collision of that renovation with my husband starting a new job. Yeah, because it kind of came really fast. Yes, the job. and all at the same time. Yeah. Because if he hadn't got that new job, mm. we would have made it work. Yeah. It would have been a struggle. Yeah. But we just would have weathered that season. Yeah. White knuckled it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so suddenly it feels unmanageable. Yeah. And even though you have a very hands-on mum who really helps you out, you can't take the piss and have more than like one day a week with her and some ad hoc help. Yeah, Yeah. well, I mean, not even. She's, uh, I give you one day a week. Yeah, make the most of it. (laughs) And if if we happen to cross paths with her on a weekend, for example, my mum has this running joke with Rafa where Rafa will go and do a poo and she'll go, yay, yay, I just did a poo, but... 
is it your day? And my my mum would go, sorry, Raph, it's not Tuesday. And she'll oh go, okay, yeah, um, mummy, can you wipe my bottom? Oh my God. And it's this funny joke we have that's in our so household. Funny. But yeah, that's how hands on and then hands, hands off my mum is. You know what? I kind of love that boundary. Dude, she's got healthy boundaries yeah. and respect. I might take that when I'm a grandma. Mm. So, okay. So then you're like, shit, I need an au pair. Yeah. And so... Let's. If you can put yourself back in the space you were in yep. when you were looking for that first au pair, can I just like? Well, I'm, actually, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. What space were you in when, in terms of finding the au pair? Desperate. Desperate. Mm. Which is never a good place. <laughs> not a good place to do anything. To from. do anything from. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So, where did you look? So I'll also be open and admit I was feeling cheap. And like a tight ass because a few people had messaged me and said, oh, there's some really great au pair agencies. Mm -hmm. And I did reach out to a couple and I was like, what? That is so expensive. What are we talking? $1,600. For a placement? For a placement. And at that time I was like, that's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. I am not paying $1,600 for a placement fee. Surely Mm. I'll be able to find an au pair. Yeah. I'm resourceful. I can renovate a house in two slash six weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So where'd you look? Facebook. Mm-hmm. I know. You laugh now. I laugh in hindsight. At the time, it felt legit. I was like, I don't know where you get an au pair. Can you grab one on Marketplace? Amazing. No, you cannot. No. But Facebook, yes. And this is the thing. And I need to be really clear about this. If you search for assistance mm-hmm. in your home, because... Basically, you can find a babysitter, an au pair, a nanny, and a mother's helper. Mm-hmm. This is a new term, yeah. but that's actually a job. A no, mother's that's an old school term. Yeah, well, it's come back in yeah, vogue. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, I'm looking for a mother's helper. I'm like, what is that? And it's like they help with the dishes and the laundry and a bit of kid stuff. But it's almost, it's cl- closer it's to- a wife. It's, it's a wife. It's a wife. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say it's housekeeper. It's a mother's wife. <laughs> but it is. It's to assist a mum yeah. and whatever her needs are. Mm-hmm. Less about the kids, more about the mum. And there are many people, because (laughs) this whole au pair world has now been opened up to me and I've learned that actually a lot of people have them. Mm -hmm. There are success stories of finding people on Facebook. But what I realise is I think that's luck. Yeah. I do think... maybe having a little more time. You know, like you needed an au pair yesterday. Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Yeah. Now, I was in this Facebook group. It was called... Nannies, au pairs, babysitters, Sydney. Mm-hmm. And it's a huge group, like 60,000 people yeah. on there. And what's interesting about this group is that you can either post an ad that you're looking for a babysitter, nanny or au pair, or you are posting an ad for yourself mm. as a nanny au pair. Mm-hmm. So I responded to an ad that someone posted mm-hmm saying, you know, this is my name, this is how old I am, this is my experience and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, she sounds amazing. Let's give her a podcast name so we can talk about her. Let's call her Lauren. 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 Okay. Okay. Yep. So Lauren posted this ad and I was like, okay, this is impressive. I'm going to DM her. So I DM'd her and next minute I'm chatting to her on Facebook. Mm -hmm. And interestingly for her... She was with a family and it wasn't working out. Okay. So she just got really real with me. She was like, I'm I'm with this family and I'm just not happy here. It's not working out. Now, this is where I come into like pound puppy syndrome. Oh, yeah. Where I'm like, 
let me save you. Let me save you yesterday yes. from this family. Yes, come yeah. to our family. And she's like, oh, the living conditions are really dirty. I was like, I've got a clean house. <laughs> you know, and she's like, I'm looking after three kids. I was like, I've got two. Because yeah. when people confide in me mm-hmm. about and are vulnerable with me from the beginning, I'm like, let me help you. You're like, we're you getting know, real here. We're getting real and I, and I care. So naive Jem in that moment upon reflection, when I was interviewing her, I did not ask any of the relevant, necessary or correct questions mm. to see if she would even be a good fit for our family. I just read her ad mm. on Facebook and went, well, she sounds like Mary Poppins. Therefore, she must be Mary Poppins. Mm-hmm. But how easy is it for someone to throw together a post? Yeah. Hit publish? Yeah. Pitch themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy. 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 Yeah. And then added- and because she was already in a family, you couldn't call that family as a reference, could you? Because you were kind of poaching. Correct. Yeah, red flag. Mistake number two. Mistake number two, can't call the reference. Yeah, and because she said that she wasn't having a good experience with this family. And I also got a bit like, because she's from overseas, Mm -hmm. she's not from Australia. I got a bit of like, no, you're not getting the full Australian experience. Oh, God. Like, Aussies are awesome. Let me show you. Like, we're great. Like, I'm so sorry you've flown to Australia and you've had this shitty experience with this family. Let me show you what it can be. Yeah. Oh, Jem. <laughs> Lol. Lol. So you thought you were being a saviour? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Mother Teresa. <laughs> Calm down, Jem. All right. So what was the interview process? Was It wasn't just one chat on Facebook, obviously. Jem? Jem. It wasn't one just... Jem, it wasn't just one chat on Facebook. It was one chat. Oh, my one God. One FaceTime. And then you had a FaceTime. Okay. Yeah. All right. But it was one FaceTime. And you were like, come on over, baby. Yep. <laughs> I was. And because I was desperate and Hubs was about to start this new job and I needed to be up in Cabba with the kids on my own, I was just like rose-colored glasses. Yeah. I was like, you know what? I don't know how experienced or inexperienced she is. Everything can be taught. Uh, I can teach. She just needs to love kids and she says she does. So... I can fill in the gaps. Okay. I can show her how we run a household. Like I can do all that. All right. Yeah. So oh, what, what, where to go next? Mm. So what was it like when she turned up? So I think like any relationship, people put their best foot forwards mm. at the start. Yeah. I would have yeah. like, you know, when she arrived, I made sure our house was spotless because she said the living conditions yeah. weren't great in the other space. So I wanted to make sure that everything looked nice yep. for her but of course our house doesn't look like that 24 7 we also had a tricky situation so to just to give a little bit more context which we, is really important in this setup it is important yeah. in this story is we have a self-contained studio mm-hmm. on our property it was one of those things when hubs and i were looking for homes it was not a must-have it was just a nice to have and this house happened to have this additional space and we were like Cool. Yeah. How good. Like, that's nice. Didn't know we needed that. Fast forward to two and a half years later and living in this house, we needed a no pair. We were like, we have the perfect setup. Yeah. Like we can literally give someone their own space. They don't have to live in our space. They will have their own entrance to their own space with their own kitchenette and their own bathroom. Tick, tick, tick. Yeah. The problem was though, was that we had subletted that space to a tenant and we had to give that tenant notice now because everything happens so So damn quickly 
We then gave that tenant notice and he needed 30 days. But Lauren was ready to join us like immediately because yeah. she wanted to move away from this family. And so I thought, no, 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 it's fine. I'll put the kids in the same room and she can sleep in Iggy's room. We'll just put a mattress on the floor. We'll explain to her that it's temporary. Yeah. We'll show her that we've got this space that's going to become available for her and we'll just live all under the same roof for a little bit. Yeah. And it'll be totally fine. And 30 days is not a long time. 30 days is not a long time. Yeah. Mm. So she arrives. Yep. You put her in Iggy's room. Yep. And and she's putting her best foot forward. So yep. you've got good feelings. Did you have any instincts straight away that this might not be a good scenario? No. I was feeling really positive about it. And okay. it is so funny looking back. And I don't want to jump forwards and come back too much. But now that I have our second au pair, yep. the whole experience... Look, um, spoiler alert, okay? When we went with our second au pair, I went through an agency. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I've learnt my lesson. I clearly don't know how to interview for an au pair. I need someone to hold my hand. I need someone to do the vetting. Yeah. I need someone to, do, to offer me a short list of yeah. people. And I want a great group of people to choose from. Yeah. So I went through an agency the second time. And the funny thing is, is the agency holds your hand so much. They literally teach you how to interview, how to welcome your au pair into yeah. the family, how to prepare the kids. Uh-huh. I did none of that. Okay. I literally went, you're hired. This person rocks up. Hi, kids. This person lives with us now. Not even thinking how that might impact them. I was in survivor mode where I was just like, all right, what needs to be done next? What fire do I need to put out? What do I need to organize, sort out? What holes do I need to plug? Historically, your kids are quite cool with that. They're very adaptable. They're actually quite frothy. They're very social. It's not like you've got two kids who need a lot of support in terms of new people, new places, new things. They're quite chill in that way so you've never experienced any issues in that way before yeah so I thought it wouldn't be a problem I thought they would adapt yeah they'd be like cool love her yeah yep and we've had lots of random ad hoc babysitters and it's never been a problem it's never been a problem yeah so what was the first sign to you that this wasn't going well oh it's very obvious and easy for me to answer that it was when Rafa kept saying when is she leaving we're gonna get into something like a little bit different today yeah i'm quite excited for this because i think people are a bit pervy on this topic yeah well we get a lot of dms and a lot of well we we do amas we get a lot of questions about this and we get asked things from people in our lives as well like about one of the internet's favorite topics gem what is it Influencers and social media. Social media, having a platform, being an influencer, Gem's least favorite word. Indeed. Being a creator, I think we call it now. Yeah, content creator. Content creator. I don't know why, but there's something about the word influencer and this idea of people being under the influence. Oh. It has negative connotations to me. Okay, I see what and you Yeah, do you know what that. I mean? Yeah. Whereas a content creator is... I'm a creative person. I'm creating content that you might find useful or helpful. Or scroll past. Yeah, or scroll past. No biggie. Yeah, it hasn't got a lot of 
judgment in it. No. Yeah, cool. I get it. But influencer sounds like I'm influencing you. You can't resist me. You must buy this thing I've put a link to. Yeah. Yeah, And I feel it it repels me a bit because it's like I'm not easily influenced. Uh, You know, there's a bit of that going on. Right. So here's how today's going to go. Yes. Jem put a question box up on her Instagram. I sure did. Meta. Meta. And we're going to answer your questions and we're not going to hold back. We're going to tell you everything you want to know. We've got some really spicy ones. So that's fun. We sure do. Straight off the bat. Yeah. The most popular question by a country mile. Yeah. Was what do influencers get paid? Yeah, and I wanted to know this. Yes. I've always wanted to know this. So let's lay it bare, Rosie. Let's talk numbers. Let's. But first. Yep. Not to tease it out. Well, we're teasing it out. But I found a career guide. I love this shit. On Forbes. On how to become an influencer. Lol. Ten steps. Okay, let's talk through those steps. I thought we could do that first. Yes. Because, you know, let's set up the structure and then we'll get into our experiences, which are very different, by the way. Jem's been at this a lot longer than me. I'm fresh. So we come at this from different angles, but we thought, yeah, let's get into it. I like the idea of these 10 steps because I want to see how many I can debunk. Yeah, (laughs) love that. Forbes. Forbes. So number one, and I think this one is legit, find your niche. Yes. So you need a point of view. 100p. You need something to be about on socials. Yep. However, do you think anyone ever sits down and goes like, what's my niche? Maybe these days. But did you ever sit down and be like, I want to get on Instagram and grow my following? What's my niche? No, no, I didn't. But I will say that I fell into a niche without meaning to. Yeah. Well, I think anyone who has any kind of success kind of needs a POV or yes. a niche. But it wasn't deliberate. And I'll tell you what that niche was because I've gone through many evolutions mm. in my Instagram. But it was travel. Yeah. That's how my Instagram started. I know Revs is going to give me shade because I'm going to bring up my trip around Central, Central South, South America. America. Trademark. <laughs> <laughs> but I started documenting my travels, obviously very into photography. So at that time when Instagram was just pictures yeah. and it was just instant. Yeah, there was no reels. Yeah, and there was no algorithm. Oh, no stories. Do you remember when you posted and yeah. it would be chronological oh, on your feed based on the time? The black and white days. Yeah. So started posting beautiful photos with captions and then it happened really organically, but hotels would start to want to partner with me where I would get invited for complimentary stays. Now, when you're backpacking and you've got a budget of 10 bucks a day for accommodation, it's pretty fucking cool to be invited to a fancy hotel to review them. Yeah. Another black and white moment, the blogging days. Yeah. I had a blog. Yes. And that's how it all began. Now that is niche. That is specific. Travel. Travel. I didn't have kids. Pre-kids. That wasn't a point of interest. And you were a couple. So there's like, that's a pervy element to that. Like people were like, people knew of your ex-partner. Yes. And so that was kind of semi-public knowledge. Was it? Yeah, it was. I guess. Yeah. Or a quick Google would have confirmed it. Yeah. But then you had this like new boyfriend. Yeah. And he was sexy and you were sexy and you (laughs) tanned and you were in Central South America (laughs) trademark and having this experience. Yep. You had like four pairs of overalls and two shirts. Yep. And uh, it was pervy. Yeah. Yeah. It was an interesting time, but that's kind of how my Instagram started. Okay. So that was your niche then. Yes. But this is the thing, Sexy travel in Central South America. I'm genuinely interested to throw this question back on you soon Mm. because, like I said, my experience on Instagram has evolved. And what's been really cool for me is that my lovely audience slash followers slash Instagram community have grown with with me. So I changed from a travel blog 
and then I dabbled in a fashion blog mm-hmm. because I came back to Australia and then I was like, yeah, I'm not really traveling anymore. I want to lay down some roots yeah. and I dived deep into my photography business and for the first year or two years of really taking photography seriously, my main income was capturing portraits yes. and fashion. Yeah. I was actually working a lot in fashion. Yeah. Until I pivoted into wedding photography and then I had kids and then suddenly I was sharing my experience of having kids. So Mm. it's been kind of a slow evolution and then I launched a photography course and now I feel like I'm aware of many hats. I've got lots of strings to my bow and if I'm truly honest, I don't actually think, what's my niche? How do I need to appear on Instagram? Often I have an identity crisis and I worry that people land on my Instagram and they're like, sorry, what are you? Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, I don't care because I've started to come back and if you've been a long time DL and you've listened to the back catalogue, you'll hear me talk about my fatigue and anxiety with showing up on Instagram a certain way and me actually peeling back the layers, not overthinking it and just remembering that Instagram for me is an online diary. And at the end of the day, I'm just going to share what I want to share rather than overthink what I need to share. Can I have give you my marketing hat perspective from over here? Sure. Your niche is business owner. Is it? Yeah. Do you reckon? Yeah, it is because that and that's how all your different hats. You're like a a, a full time working mum who runs her own businesses, and that's what people follow you for. Okay, now. but here's the interesting thing. Like, it's funny that that's your perspective that that is my niche because there are people on Instagram who claim that space. Oh, like actively, like that's I'm what an entrepreneur. That's their content they're yes. making. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yours I don't more, do that. No, no, yours is more organic. But I think if someone's new to you, yeah, their first take would be like, oh, okay, she owns a couple of businesses and she's a mum. And she's a photographer. That would be the niche. Okay. Interesting. Creative business owner. Because I would have thought peeps would just land on my Insta and be like, oh, yeah, she's a mum with lots of opinions and no time. Well, yes. Also the potty. Chronic oversharer and here are some nice photos of her family. That's what I want my Instagram to be. Yeah. If you were to ask me. I wouldn't call you a chronic oversharer. No? No, I think you're right. Diary is the right thing. Like we have a peep into your life. Yeah. As a working mum. Okay, I'm a chronic overshare on the potty. This is what I love about this space is that (laughs) this is the rawest version of me right here on the podcast. Yes. And maybe that's why I don't feel the need to overshare on Instagram because I have a space to do it. Exactly. It's like people who are DLs, they know the... And I know why you like the potty space. Why? No comment section. There's no comment section. Yeah. So it's like a, you know, it's a a two-way chat with me. Yeah. But it's not like you don't have to approve the caption or like stress about grammar or like invite conversation Mm. from a wide, wide audience. But I will be honest, Revzy, when we started our potty, I was much more aware of Mm, everything we said, everything we said in terms of pressure to sound intelligent or speak in full structured sentences. Mm. But now that we're nearly two years into this, that's all been stripped away now. And I'm just here with you talking to my bestie. Yeah. And I like to think that our conversation does feel like a genuine peak or fly on the wall. Yeah. Listening to two friends having a chat. Like you could almost be at a cafe at the table next to us and you're eavesdropping. You're like, these two friends. I think the DLs have made that for us. Yes. They've 
embraced us, what's and all, when we're, when we're most vulnerable and revealing, that's when they show up the most and care the most and it starts the most conversation. And I think that's they've made us feel really kind of safe. Like okay, that. Revs, we're going to take a long time to get through these 10 steps. Sorry, so yes. I'm going to throw this back to you quickly. Yes. What is your niche and what are you putting out there? I think I'm just hot mess drunk mum, aren't I? I guess, yeah. I think my and again, I never sat down to cultivate this. No. I think you can back me up here. Mm. I always used Instagram not like I had an audience, but I used it in a I don't know, in a way. Well, it's always been a creative space it's for you. It's always been a creative outlet whether for me. you had 200 yeah, followers and or, who were just my friends and family. Yeah. And then it grew, but I always put up stupid, funny stories of my kids doing dumb shit. I always tried to be a bit funny. I used it as a bit of a caption competition. Yes. Like I love fun photos or pretty photos or interesting photos or silly. I love to be funny when I can. Yes. And try and be dry because that's my sense of humor. Yeah. So always. I think my niche now is like hot mess, juggly, single mum emerging from trenches into some other transition. Do you know what I mean? Isn't it funny when you're forced to label yeah, what funny. you are? Because it isn't that conscious No, but for us. Because do you know what forces you to think about it? Mm. So this is niche. But um, so I was in the city a couple of months ago and it was this beautiful sunset and the opera house was like absolutely firing. It just looked so beautiful. And I made a reel of like the opera house, right? With the water lapping around and it was so pretty. And I put it up and it got like 2000 views. I had like a nice song over it or whatever. And I was like, fascinating. I could make a reel about how I dropped my coffee all over my work outfit and it would get like 12,000 views and 30 comments. And I make a reel in your style. Mm. And it's like, no one gives a shit. No one comes to me for pretty pictures of the opera house. See, you know I, I mean? think that's problematic because this is where the metaverse or the yeah. Instagram universe starts to influence the content you create, yes. right? Because you're no longer yeah. incentivized to right. post that, something that was a beautiful moment for you that yeah. you enjoyed because you went, oh, that content tanked. Well, but Therefore, I can still have that video on my phone and look back on that and enjoy that content personally. Mm. But I think what it does is frame up for you. Okay. I have this like platform and this small audience and like, what do they want from me? And what am I really doing there? See, I don't that, mind. I don't mind analyzing that. Yeah. I find it really interesting. Cause, cause I think that this is what people don't like yeah. about influencing Yeah, is that the influencer <laughs> gets influenced. Yes. This is inception. Yeah. By the audience's demands. And yeah. this is what I'm trying to work against. Yeah. I'm trying really hard to not be guided by an algorithm yeah. because then that leads to dissatisfaction yeah. of self yeah. where you kind of go, oh, I'm only of value to mm-hmm. these people if I share X, Y, and yeah. Z. And then I often find that people who do get stuck in a niche, and I'm going to use that term stuck in a niche, yeah. have like humans are tri-dimensional. We're yeah. multifaceted. Yeah. You can't actually – Put us in a box. And also that niche will move on. It will move and on. And have you noticed, I mean, it's been my observation and I don't know, I'm probably coming up to this point now, so it'll be interesting to see. I feel like the culture and then by extrapolation, mm. social media evolves every 18 months. Ad break. Got to keep the lights on. DLs, you're not going to want to skip this one as we have one of the biggest discounts we have ever procured for you from this awesome brand. I am extra excited about today's sponsor because DLs. 
As you will know, this started out as my not spawn. And now it's spawn. How good. Okay, so on your reco, I've started using wild natural deodorant and then wild came to us and asked if we wanted to try the full range. So obviously we jumped on that. That's right, DLs. Consider us your natural body care crash test dummies. <laughs> so I've been using wild deodorant for nine months now and I love the change. My motivation for stopping using regular store-bought deodorant was the aluminium and parabens. Mm. I mean, we use deodorant every day, so mm. I want to try and avoid all the harsh chemicals as well. Wild's whole thing is that it's all clean and natural. Did your body adapt straight away? Did it take a minute? Okay, so you do need to give this a couple of weeks, okay? okay? There is an adjustment period like anything natural. So my recommendation to you, Revs, was mm. definitely to give it a full fortnight and then decide how you like it. Okay. You did, but for me, it's been pretty seamless. I will say I'm not an overly sweaty girl, but I have always used strong deodorant and frankly, it's just time to get off the chemicals. Mm -hmm. Personally, I'm loving the switch. I found it really easy and the dispenser is really gorgeous. The user experience, just great. Have you got a go-to scent? Oh, babe, I'm all about the fresh cotton and sea salt. Mm. I will say they have got this new rainforest oasis scent that I'm keen to try. I am using that one and it's dreamy and it comes in the body wash too. And I'm always auditioning body washes. So far, I am loving this one. Repsy, do you love how you can choose your deodorant Mm. case Mm colour and just pop in the recyclable refills? You know, it makes doing the right thing for the environment feel very nice and bougie. Obsessed. Loving the shampoo bars too because I'm always cringing at the waste in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And of course, all wild products are vegan and cruelty free. So do something for the planet that your future self will thank you for and check out Wild today with 25% off your entire order. Use code NOTIME, all caps, no space, at the checkout. 25% is huge. Yeah, it's actually the highest discount Wild are offering in Australia and it's exclusively for you, DLs. Go to wearewild.com and use code NOTIME at the checkout for 25% off. Enjoy. Today, it's a topic of interest for us both in very different ways. What are we talking about, Chummy? We're diving deep into the world of alcohol. Alcohol. Mm. The consumption of it, the not consuming of it. Yeah, it's become quite polarizing. Yeah, kind of like sleepovers. Mm. It's like a new trend in uh, a different direction. So we're going to get into it today. If you're new here and, you know, maybe you just stumbled into the subscription land first, that's fine. We're no judgment here. We're happy to have you. Jem does not drink, hasn't drunk for a very long time. Since my wedding. Wait, seven years ago. But you weren't drinking at your wedding, were you? I did. That was the last time I drank. The last time you drank. Okay, but you weren't really a drinker no. even before that. No, I reckon I haven't been a drinker, in inverted commas, for maybe 15 years. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I am a drinker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get into all that. So we've got two very different perspectives here. But before you get into that, Rebsy, let's start with our Quezzy of the Week. Oh, yes, of course. So Adil has sent in, they're curious to know, what things do we get irrationally angry about? Irrationally angry? Mm. Okay. Well, the thing that springs to mind first for me is why can't men lactate? Yeah. What have they got nipples for? Why have they got nipples? Yeah, they're fucking benign. It's like literally tits on a bull. Mm. Why have they got those ornamental decorative nipples Mm -hmm. if they can't do their bit and lactate? Mm. Share the load. Bit like an appendix, really. Get rid of it. (laughs) There's no function for it. Why are you there? Why have we still got those things? That makes me mad. And when I was breastfeeding in the middle of the night, I would get full of rage Mm. that I was the only person in the house who could produce life-giving 
milk. See, that's one perspective of it. And I very much am in that camp. But mm-hmm. I think there is a reframe mm-hmm. where women are like, I get to do this and yeah. you motherfuckers don't. Totally. For the breastfeeding loving peeps and out there. that was me. I did love I was not peep. one of those peeps. No. So I had a lot of resentment to a lot of people. I was fine with it during the day when I was in my little rocking chair looking into my beautiful baby's big blue eyes, like singing to them and feeding. Mm. Love that. 4 a.m.? Get fucked. Yeah. Don't want to do it now. Yeah. Mixed feeding was a goal that I never achieved during postpartum. I did with Ted, but then he chose the bottle. Mm. So he self-weaned at seven months because of mixed feeding. They always make a choice. But back on nipples. I have to take my hat off to men who like bedazzle them. What do you, you know? Get them pierced. Yeah. It's like, look, if they're not going to have a function, yeah. decorate them. <laughs> bedazzle. It is weird that they have them. Anyway, you must have some irrational things that make you irrationally angry. Mm. I feel like I could pick a few. You like to have a pet peeve or a bugbear. I do. Mm. Anything come to mind? Uh, look, I could say the obvious ones like sniffers, but I am a fellow sniffer. I was going to say chum. <laughs> I know. Girlfriend, you are like a grade A sniffer. Oh, yeah. I'm a hypocrite yeah. on this front. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, when you just can't get a clean peel of a sticker off a surface, it kills me. My mum always says, orange oil. I'm like, fuck orange oil. Orange oil? Yeah, it doesn't get it off. What's orange oil? Apparently, it removes sticker residue. Oh, never, ever heard of orange oil in my life. Doesn't work. Okay. Uh, but the thing that's really ticking me off more than anything at the moment is... <laughs> When people go to change lanes and then indicate a nanosecond before they change lanes. Oh, like as they're changing Correct. Lanes. Oh, yeah. You know, right. they're like, whack it on, steering wheel's turned. Oh. They're in the lane. It's like, no, 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 no. We oh. need to indicate. It's why it's called an indicator. Give me notice. Because you're indicating your yeah. intention to merge into another lane. Correct, Amunda. Okay, this feels personal. Yeah, it makes me rage. Okay. Although I'm not talking about you, but yeah, maybe my husband does a bit of that. <laughs> He's slow to indicate. I'll be like, baby, you need to get in the left lane. We're about to turn left. He's like, yep. Chuck your indicator on. I will. Well, what are you waiting for? You know, get on it. TikTok. So my big takeaway from this chat is that what irrationally angers us is men. (laughs) (laughs) With their useless nipples and their annoying indicating habits. Correct. Okay. So alcohol. (laughs) Back to booze, baby. Have you heard of the sober curious movement? I have, and I'm here for it. Are you? Yeah, look, I am not a smug non drinker. I would not not. call myself a sober Sally. Yeah. I don't not drink to stay sober. I don't know if anyone calls themselves a sober Sally. (laughs) You wouldn't identify as sober. No. Because I guess sober has an, I guess it's got a connotation connotation that you gave up, used to drink, and now you don't drink, whereas you just sort of don't drink. I would say that if I had my time again, Mm -hmm. knowing what I know now, I would have never been a drinker. Mm -hmm. But when you're 15, 16, 18, 21 years old, you succumb to social pressures and you do shit Mm -hmm. because you think it's what you should be doing. Alcohol was very much that for me. So I was like, okay, this is a thing that I have to do to be part of a social group. I don't want to be socially phased out Mm -hmm. or be perceived as different. Like, let's go back to even 16, Mm because let's be honest, we were all dabbling in alcohol. But do you remember texting each other and being like, what are you wearing? Mm -hmm. What are you wearing? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm wearing that Supre scrunchy skirt with the boob tube top Mm -hmm. and my Haviana thongs. And it'd be like, great. And then you'd rock up in the same outfit in a different color variation. Uh, And you're like, phew. I'm so not- glad we all look the same. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Fast forward to 37, like you never want to turn up to a wedding wearing the same dress as someone else, you know? So because everyone was drinking, I was like, okay, this is a thing. So I turned to doing shots. Yeah. To get it done quickly. Correct. Because oh. my 
palate never developed for alcohol. It's an acquired taste I simply never acquired. <laughs> and so shooting it down was the quickest, fastest way. It made me feel involved. Tequila was my booze of choice. It gave me a high. But then I'd also get absolutely obliterated. Yeah, because you're it. a little girl. Yes. Yeah, so it would knock you out. And shots is like not for the faint-hearted. No. At least when it's mixed with a pink lemonade. Dude, for me, it's all about the salt and lime. Oh, That's okay. all I did it for. You went real tie on it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't actually need the booze. Just give me the salt and the lemon and I'm happy. Did you ever fake it? Hundreds of times. Yeah. Or like pour a drink out and pretend you'd drunk it. My trick was a soda water with fresh lime. Yeah. And just say it had vodka in it. Yeah, because it looks like a vodka. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So many times I did that. So did you know when you were younger, like in your early 20s, did you know you didn't want to be drinking? No. Okay. All I knew was that I loathed the flavor and I didn't understand why we are doing this. Okay. So I assumed or surmised that we drink alcohol to get fucked up, yeah, to right. get that feeling, to mm. get out of control, to abandon inhibitions, yep. to socially lubricate ourselves, to have courage, mm-hmm. like all of those things. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, get well, on I, the vibe. I will tolerate this disgusting flavor. Yeah. To get to that point. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And did you like that feeling? The abandoned kind of altered state? Revs, I'm a type A control freak. (laughs) I didn't like it, but I played along. Yeah. As you do. Yeah. You know, I ran around playgrounds as a drunk 16-year-old being like, and you know, I would be that attention-seeking teenager that we all become and around boys, it felt cool. Yeah. And you could be silly and it was accepted. It did give you permission. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. What was your experience of it? Let's go back to your teen years specifically. Uh, Yeah. So I'm okay with alcohol. Like I, yeah, I didn't like the taste either when I started drinking, just like you don't really like coffee when you start having, it's kind of funny, isn't it? Like when you start smoking, you don't Mm. enjoy smoking. And then at some point something shifts, your palate changes, I guess. And you do start to like those things. Do you remember that moment with alcohol? I don't. Mm. I had my first drink at the Oklahoma after party, Oklahoma, the musical. Yes. When I was 15 Mm. and it was a Bacardi breezer so tame and it tasted fine (laughs) do you know what I mean I was like oh this isn't gross it tasted like bitter orange cordial and did you get the buzz yes so me and Liv got drunk together and then Liv's dad picked us up and we were like gotta act straight gotta act straight (laughs) and like we'd had like two breezes but it was the first drink we'd ever had so Mm. we probably were a little altered we weren't off our face we weren't you know I think we were fine but that was when it started and then the next year when we were 16 that was kind of we were in a drinking culture like we would go to a gathering Mm -hmm. and the boys would always have brought something it doesn't feel like it was that dangerous but you know if it was my little kids I wouldn't feel good about it I was always kind of fine with it I never had any scary moments I've got one night that comes to mind I was I think I was 17 or almost 18 so it was kind of okay that I was drinking my parents knew I was drinking and I had too much too quickly I think it was passion pop or something feral brutal something with bubbles in it that just went to my head and I hadn't eaten or whatever and I got absolutely annihilated vomiting couldn't stand up Mm. And I had a boyfriend who called my dad and was like, uh, Thank goodness. I'm really sorry, but you need to come and get Kate. She's not all right. Good on him. I respect that. Yeah, yeah. So I was never in danger, but I remember being really embarrassed and my mum being very mad at me the mm. next day. And I was sick the next day. Like it really, I really wrote myself off and that was like, oh, okay, gross. Don't really want to be doing that. And yeah, I definitely have done that in my time. But what I don't experience, which I'm grateful for, and I have learnt in my maturity that I'm lucky, is 
when I'm a few drinks in, it doesn't take me to a dark place. It doesn't take me to a reckless place. I don't get emotional and I don't use it as any kind of medicinal, you know, to escape anything. I'm okay with alcohol. So when I, even if I'm like sharing a bottle of wine with one other person and we finish the bottle, I'm okay. You know, like I don't. And you're not thirsty for more. No, I can happily call it a night mm. and I don't get anxiety, which I didn't even know existed until recent years. We've got some friends who like get really rough anxiety, which mm. is basically like if you have a proclivity for anxiety if you wake up hungover it can really exacerbate that anxiety and also anxiety can kick in the night of drinking where when you go to bed Mm -hmm. you literally can't put yourself to sleep yeah which you know sleep deprivation plus a lot of booze that's going to kill your next day yeah and you wake up just feeling rubbish yeah and anxiety can manifest itself in I guess perseveration of Mm -hmm. thoughts in your brain where it's like you relive conversations this is what I've learned from chatting to people where it's like oh my god I said that to so and so did they receive it like this oh they probably hate me oh why did I oh my god and then I had that chat with that person and I said and you cannot switch your brain off so I've never experienced this but I've heard about it a lot Mm. now that I'm like oh wow and I think maybe it's something that gets worse as you get older also Waking up to little kids, even with a small hangover, ain't cute. It's not worth it. (laughs) Not worth it. Like, it just makes Struggle Street so hard. And even though I really love the wind down that comes with that glass of wine after a day of parenting, yeah, sometimes it can be not worth it. So our guest today is Billy Hutchison. Billy and Revs and I all went to the same school together. Mm-hmm. However, Billy was a couple of years older than us, but has a younger sister who was in our yes. I can't wait to ask Billy actually about her feeling of sisters mm. and how many kids she wanted, but we're going to get into this. Yep. Actually, I'm going to welcome Billy here. Billy, say hi. Hi, everybody. Hi, Billy. Hi, nice to be here. We're <laughs> so happy to have you here. Now, I remember having a conversation with you before you had your child. I remember this. Mm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but you said, if I don't find the right person to settle with, in inverted commas, settle. Actually, your philosophy was, I will not settle. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's probably why I'm still single. (laughs) (laughs) Correct. High standards. And I'm here for that. Yeah. I remember you saying, I'm never going to settle for any guy, but if the perfect guy for me doesn't come along by the time I'm 37. I um I gave myself some little deadlines. Okay, yeah. Two deadlines. That's right. You gave yourself some deadlines. If it didn't come along that way, you were going to go it alone mm-hmm. and have a baby by yourself. Yeah, exactly. When was this chat? Long time ago. It was ages ago. Yeah, so I used to just do you know, I remember where we were. We were at the, the Greens. Greens. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think you were pregnant or just pregnant. Just pregnant. I think you were just pregnant with Raph, Raph. which is probably why we were having the conversation. So actually. that would be 2017? Yeah. So five yeah. years ago? Yeah. 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 So, okay. and actually, so I would have been coming up to my 35th-ish birthday, mm. which was my first deadline. So that's probably why I was on right. my mind. So Jem and Billy are really good friends, longtime family friends as well. So I'm just going to give a little cliff notes to all of you deals. Basically what we're going to talk to Billy about today is Billy went it alone and had a baby on her own. She's raising that beautiful baby Luna now. And we basically got her in today so we can ask her everything about the process, how she got to the decision, how she went through it, how much it costs, what's it like now? Does she want more? All those pervy questions we're going to get into. Anyway, I'm going to hand it over now to Billy to tell us how did this start for you in your brain? Like what was the first germination of do I want kids? How do I want kids? 
your love life like where were you at when this started God. when this started germinating in your brain well I think I've just always assumed I was going to have kids mm-hmm. I'm not a particularly clucky person but I just knew I wanted kids and yeah. I wasn't it wasn't about the baby it was about the child in your 20s you don't really think about how you just assume that's going to happen naturally yeah. and whatever I guess the idea of having a baby on my own I would have come across it in pop culture I know mm-hmm. Monica in Friends has an episode where she's flipping through a catalogue oh, yeah. there's a oh, movie yeah. with um, Jennifer Aniston called The Switch I think I think there's another one with JLo so I would have just been aware of it vaguely but mm. not really I didn't know the details about it's how quite you American it. right quite American yeah and I certainly didn't know anyone who'd done it or know anything about the process or even IVF in general or anything mm. like that but it was always in the back of my mind that oh yeah I could do that I guess and then I um I had a boyfriend for a couple of years and we split up and I was in my early 30s and was he like classically the one that came along at the right time that would be the baby daddy like was it that no 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 no. he was I guess he was my first long-term boyfriend so he was right for me at the time but I kind of knew that it wasn't going to be the forever guy I was fine with that yeah and we split up and I was in the UK at the time and then eventually about 18 months or so I came back to Australia how old were you then I think I was about 31 okay so having a big breakup at 31 yeah it's big deal because you're like okay you kind of start going all right so I'm starting again here and Mm. actually the next relationship in theory should be the one the big one and what were your friends doing around that time like were people Mm. starting to pair off and get married and have kids and get pregnant yeah Yeah, they were all paired off I don't think the weddings oh there'd been a couple of weddings but I think they've all since married the people they were with at that time right um so a lot of my friends have long-term relationships they were locking it down can I jump in quickly knowing Billy that actually your crew of tight-knit girlfriends came to motherhood later oh yeah yeah Yeah. we're all um geriatric pregnancy is that what you (laughs) yeah yeah worst medical the worst i've got another one next to hostile uterus that's a fun one how about socially infertile that's what what they call single solo mums that is isn't that the most demeaning term you've ever heard that needs reform immediately socially infertile infertile. coined by male doctors clearly for sure yeah (laughs) anyway so i'm socially infertile with a geriatric pregnancy (laughs) you're over 35 great i feel really good about myself right now god all right we'll we'll get to that skipping ahead yes but yeah so i was i was kind of in my early 30s and thinking ahead about what um the next relationship might be Mm. and i just started kind of dropping it in conversations about oh i'll just have a sperm donor baby and i did that for years just flippantly Mm. threw it out there and i think part of that was me processing it in my head and also getting the people around me used to the idea testing out the idea yeah yeah particularly Mm. you know like my grandma and my parents and you know i knew my friends would be all cool with it and everything but um yeah i just kind of started doing that and then i i think one day i sat down and went right if i'm serious about this let's put some deadlines in place love this um this is so your billy Personality. Billy, what do you do for work? I'm in advertising. I'm a suit. So I'm You're like a suit. A, yeah, I'm so an you organizer. Like process, yeah, you like yeah. spreadies. You Spread- know? Oh, I got spreadsheets all over yeah, the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You like to like know like what's, planning. what's happening. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, to a certain extent. <laughs> so I kind of said to myself, all right, I'm going to have a check-in at 35. So that's not my deadline, but at 35, I'm going to have a real think. Am I ready for this? Mm. And then my actual deadline is 38. 
And 38. if I'm still single and I haven't got a baby by then, then that's when I'm going to start the process. Okay. So, and how old were you when you made these deadlines? Oh, I was probably 32, 33. Okay. Yeah. So right. the, the first one was only a couple of years away. Now, yeah. at this point, were you dating? On and off. So this is part of the thing is I'm terrible at dating. I don't enjoy it. I go through little phases where I like go on loads of dates. I get sick of it and then I stop for a long time. Yeah. So I'm not someone who makes enough effort with dating and I'm not confident in dating. Okay. And so I just kind of, I just wasn't meeting anyone through apps. I mean, Ugh, if, if I meet someone. soul destroying. It is awful because it's a numbers game yeah. and you've got to be out there all the time. Yeah. You've got to you know, kiss a lot of frogs to find your prince or whatever. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. just wasn't willing to do it. Cause I was like, I come back from these dates and I'm, I would have had a better night sitting on the couch watching Netflix. That's the problem. That's the problem. And as we always say, foundation ain't cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, Truly. When you're dating or like when you're doing the app dating, mm. take yourself back there. Is it disappointing? Like for people kind of like not right. Like, it's just like, yeah. Like, no I connection. don't think I ever had any bad dates. I don't okay. have any horror stories. Really. Yep. They were just like, yeah. and I'm not, prepared to do that I think Mm. like you won't settle girl I won't settle and I don't know just it's not in my nature and I think um people do do that women do consciously or unconsciously will Mm. settle particularly because they want kids and the older you get and I hear a lot of um from other solo mums they they realize that they're dating just to find a baby daddy yeah that's not healthy I think it's really unconsciously going on more than we would admit to yeah totally I think it's such a timing game like you think oh well here I am and this is the person right now and it's we're at that age where you start to procreate and so you can see how it easily and you've got the tiktok of the biological clock whether you are aware of it or not people find signs in anything they go oh it's meant to be divine timing this is it this will do this will do yeah can I ask because I think people would be curious about this how are your family in terms of the older gen you mentioned Mm -hmm. your grandmother and then you've got your parents yeah. in terms of you being a single woman in your 30s are they oh yeah before they, the kid decision well, that, came because you know yeah. like we've all been at the receiving end of comments of when are you guys getting married yeah. when are you guys when are you going to make me grandparents are you like, seeing yeah. anyone yeah oh the worst is why are you still single oh well <laughs> oh, as though it's my fault so yeah. it's the men it's their problem they're not good enough so yeah that why are you single is is the worst question. I so used you to were hate getting that, that at like all the family time. functions? Not so much from mum. I get hers. Mum was different. She was like, I just want you to be happy. You need oh, to yeah. make an effort. And, and I then had even to. Even then, I just want you to be happy. Yeah, so Can I pulled we her talk up about on this. Yeah, because why I, can't you be happy exactly. on your own? And so she would, it was after a long time and she was saying this regularly and I knew what she meant. Yeah. But I did one day sit down and say, Can you stop saying that? Because I don't actually, I can be happy in other ways mm. without the white picket fence and you know yeah. that whole thing and yeah. actually that's every time you say that that's kind of chipping away at me a bit oh wow um, How did and she's she doing it to my sister that? as well she was good she's she she didn't realize and so she stopped so yeah. she's really open we can have really honest conversations oh, so and, good how good and I mean we'll get to it but when it comes to parenting and grandparenting she's been really open to my feedback I suppose <laughs> so yeah she's she took that on board and she sort of stopped saying it but she did want me to have that big relationship and because her and my dad they've been married for over 50 years and they're now. a proper love story proper right? love story mm. and that she and she sees everybody all of our friends and family mm. same thing so we're friends with 
Gemma's husband, we're mates with and have known forever. And so she sees that relationship and all the other relationships of all those close family friends. And she's like, I want you to have that too. Mm. And why isn't it coming for you? I was like, okay, those questions are going on in my head. Mm, I don't need yeah. somebody else to reinforce them back totally. to me. Totally. So, so yeah, it was tough. And you just kind of in the end have to go, well, I have to keep reminding myself, it's not me. I'm a good person. I'm yeah, a nice person. Absolutely. You know, you're straight, in fact, up, straight up catch. Billy, I was going to say, Billy, I've always described you as such a catch. Yeah. I am a catch. You, I know that. Yeah. Damn straight. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, you know, you don't feel that all the time when yeah. you sort of see other people coupling up. I want to just before we move on to the next part of the story, like, I just want to know, like, how did you find the confidence in yourself to decide not to settle because it's really confident and really based in self-love and really brave in a way but it's just really smart and evolved to be like I don't want to settle because as we said unconsciously or consciously no relationship is perfect all those things and we tell ourselves all those things but I think there's something so empowering and cool about at 35 or 37 or 38 being like no I don't need to get myself into a situation that doesn't feel great for me mm. domestically particularly but yeah. can you speak on that a bit part of it it's not in my nature yeah. um but I think I am a really sort of individual homebody kind of person I've always just been quite content in myself in my own company I don't feel a need to bring other people into that mm. all the time so if I was going to pair up with someone it has to be value add because otherwise I can't be bothered and that's the other thing I'm lazy so <laughs> completely lazy so I can't be bothered bringing someone else into this and sort of making space for them and all that kind of stuff because you do amazing. compromise yeah, yeah. your life and oh, you yeah. have to meet someone in yeah. the middle just as they do so yeah. if you remove that factor you can exactly. just you can roll with life exactly and I know this you... where I'm from my like reverse engineer of that like mm. when I've come back to being single and having my own space and just being yeah. me and my kids and I'm like it's so nice I can it's have easier. everything how I want it exactly. I don't have to compromise I can do whatever I want with my time but I had to learn that yeah well so I the think fact I that you it... know that before you've even done it do you know what I mean? yeah. it's kind of amazing I think part of it was I learned through my long term well long term it was two and a half years yeah um and he was wonderful and I loved him and he was fabulous and we could have had a really lovely life together and you know I know that that's what he wanted and so I think I was kind of staring that down and kind of going what would my life be like and it looks lovely but I just don't feel that that's right for me Mm. and I remember my dad was visiting us in the UK and um he made some comment to me about oh you know when you guys get married and I just went we're never getting married dad so just get over it and I went oh that just came out yeah where did that come from just came out I was like oh okay and uh, we actually broke up shortly after that because I was like I'm obviously very clear in my head and so it's not really fair to keep this going so So you seem like someone who is very self-aware like you've got good self-analysis are you very reflective like you go oh I've done that that's interesting behavior like yeah you know? I, I think I am generally pretty self-aware that doesn't mean that I fix the issues that sure. I see but I know what they are <laughs> so you know I know that I don't make effort with dating but I don't do anything about fixing it yeah, so yeah, yeah. My, my solution is to have a baby on my own instead yeah. so much easier so yeah okay now so, on to the baby chat yes because yes. this is what I am yeah, very yeah. here for take us back to the moment where you went I'm gonna do this ah okay did you so, tell anyone? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, close friends and family. So, like I said, I had a check-in at 35, wasn't quite ready. Mm-hmm. 
When I was um, 36-ish, so my two best friends, who you know, were pregnant and about to have their first babies. And they were the first in our group, really, who were having kids. And I think after my my friend had hers and I was suddenly around babies for the first time Mm. and I went, oh, I can do this and I want this. Mm. And it was just this moment of, oh, okay, I actually think I'm ready now, particularly because my friends were doing it. So my social life was already changing by default anyway. So I wouldn't feel like I was giving up a lot. That's really interesting, isn't it? You can relate to that. I can absolutely relate to that. Yeah. You you just lose people, don't you? Bye. Yeah. The way that you hang out, you're not going to bars anymore. You're having picnics. So my social life had already adjusted or was in the process Mm. of adjusting to kid life Mm. so yeah I didn't feel like I was having to compromise on that aspect of things we never talk about that really the the people who are have kids later or don't have kids yet or Mm. don't want children totally I guess they become socially parents like you talk about socially infertile like you know your social life really does shift in a massive way DLs, we love you. We love you. Thanks for hanging out with us if you've managed to come this far into the episode. It's been a deep sleepover. It's been a long and juicy one, but we're happy you're here. And we look forward to being back in your ears again very soon. Bye-bye. Bum, 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 bum.